Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, April 27th, and this is your FT News Briefing. An FT analysis found that the global death count from coronavirus might be much worse than official counts indicate. Plus, I'll chat with our global financial correspondent, Robin Wigglesworth, about the divergence between surging equity markets and the struggling economy. And Guy Chazan will report from Berlin, where shops in the German capital have reopened. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. As of the time I'm recording this, there are more than 200,000 recorded deaths around the world from coronavirus. But in reality, that total could be much higher. The FT conducted an analysis of overall fatalities during the pandemic in 14 countries. My colleagues found that the global coronavirus death toll could be almost 60% higher than what's reported in official counts. Here's how they figured that out. Our data journalists took the deaths from all causes in the weeks of a location's outbreak in March and April of this year. Then they compared that to the average for the same period between 2015 and 2019. In all the countries analyzed, except for Denmark, excess deaths far outnumbered the official coronavirus death tolls. Some of these deaths may be the result of causes other than COVID-19, but excess deaths have risen most steeply in places with the worst outbreaks. It suggests that most of these deaths are directly related to the virus, rather than the side effects of lockdowns. Now, the accuracy of the official virus death statistics depends on how effective a country is at testing people to confirm cases. Some countries, including China, have gone back and revised their death tolls from the disease. It wasn't too long ago that we were watching the stock market crash. In the U.S., the broader equity market bottomed out on March 23rd. But since then, it's steadily climbed back up. Stock markets in the U.S., in Europe, in Asia, pretty much everywhere have powered higher and actually now are over 20 percent above their lows, which technically constitutes a new bull market, according to the most common definitions of them. That's the FT's global finance correspondent, Robin Wigglesworth. Now, this uptick is making analysts scratch their heads because the global economy is really hurting. Just two weeks ago, the IMF forecast that 2020 would be the worst global economic contraction since the Great Depression of the 1930s. Robin explains what's driving stocks higher. It boils down to central banks. The global economy looks awful. However, central banks are acting far more aggressively today than they did even in 2008 and certainly in 1929 and are basically buying any bond that isn't bolted down. The central banks have just in the last month announced more stimulus measures, twice as many stimulus measures, in fact, as they did in all of 2008. So this is essentially the whatever it takes moment for central banks. And they have decided that whilst they can't prevent a global health crisis, they can certainly prevent this from becoming a financial crisis on top of the health and economic crisis that we are experiencing. So Robin, for me, it's hard to understand why, given all the other statistics about how economies are suffering, there's so much confidence in the activity by central banks. Well, it is pretty jaw-dropping to see stocks flying when the economy is basically dying. It does boil down to a lot of faith in central banks. 
So I think at the worst point in March, we were facing not just a health crisis and an economic crisis, but a financial crisis on top of that. Financial crisis aren't just stocks falling a lot. Financial crisis is when the financial system, when banks, bond funds, other financial companies are basically not functioning when things break down. And when things break down, really terrible things can happen. You know, ATMs can stop spitting out money. Normally, sound companies that should be able to weather this might suddenly go bust because of some sort of weird glitch in markets. And that's what we were heading towards in March. And central banks have, led by the Fed, basically taken out that danger. Not completely, but you know, when you print trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars worth of money, it does help a lot. You can paper over a lot of financial cracks with that kind of stimulus. Right. And investor confidence is boosted even more by fiscal stimulus governments pouring all this money into their economies. So, Robin, how might investors' attitudes change in the near term? It's very hard to say. I mean, in practice, timing market tops and bottoms is a fool's errand. What we can say is that stocks are now valued not very cheaply. They're not expensive, but they're pretty much where the long run average is for stocks. And that looks very exceptional compared to the scale and the breadth of the economic destruction that is now happening. And we are facing a massive global economic recession of a scale that we haven't seen for almost 100 years. And stocks are trading as if this is probably going to be fine by the end of the year. That looks very optimistic. And that is why quite a lot of investors are extremely skeptical of this and call it a bear market rally, which we often see in big downturns, you know, temporary jumps when stocks go up 10, 20, 30%, but then plummet back down again when the, the scale of the da economic damage becomes clearer and clearer every day. It's been a week since Germany reopened its shops after a five-week shutdown. But Berlin, normally one of Europe's liveliest capitals, remains subdued. Streets in the city's trendiest neighborhoods were empty last week. Most stores were still shut, and those that were open didn't have many customers. So where does Berlin go from here? Guy Chazan, our Berlin bureau chief, has more. The economy is now facing a deep recession, just like most other economies in Europe. So many companies have had to close. Obviously, most retail outlets were closed for five weeks. It's completely devastated the local economy, and probably hundreds of thousands have been sent into short-time work or been furloughed. A lot of people have lost their jobs. So it's definitely a major crisis, as it is really across the Eurozone, across Europe. So, Guy, what's given Germany the confidence to go through with these plans despite what's happening everywhere else in the world? Well, Germany has been a real success story in terms of their ability to contain this epidemic. They have really flattened the curve very quickly, and they have a very low fatality rate. So the ratio of deaths to confirmed cases of COVID-19 is extremely low compared to other countries. It's only around 3%. It has been rising recently, but uh, that compares with, say, 13% in Italy. So unlike a lot of countries, there's been no strain on the health system at all, which is just extraordinary. There is a real sense, though, that as Angela Merkel herself has said, 
you know, they're walking on very thin ice. She's very worried that the situation could revert at any time and that infection rates could start rising again. There was an interview recently with Christian Drosten, the head of the Virology Institute of Berlin's Charité Hospital, who's really been one of the public faces of the fight against corona. And he was saying that this idea of reopening the shops, you really have to ask yourself whether that was a sensible thing to do, because shopping malls will be full of people again, and the risk of infection will just grow. Now, Guy, are all shops allowed to reopen? What's the mood like among retailers in Germany? Wednesday last week, the government and the leaders of Germany's 16 regions got together and came up with a plan that most retail outlets up to 800 square meters in retail space can reopen. So it's incredibly limiting for big shops. But for smaller shops, it's obviously an enormous relief because they're not restricted at all. What steps have the government taken to reduce the risks of reopening too soon? Well, they've really told businesses that they have to be very careful in terms of the number of customers they allow into their premises at any given time. I was in a mall just recently and there was a bookshop there, for example, that had a big sign outside saying we will only be allowing 20 people in at a time. So I could envisage a situation where people will start having to queue outside of shops. I don't think that's going to happen because, as I say, I was in a mall and really it was just extraordinary how few people were there. There doesn't seem to be an enormous willingness among people to go shopping. People are just too scared. You know, they think that by going to a big public place like a shopping mall, they're increasing their risk of infection with coronavirus. So they're just avoiding public places. They're avoiding areas where they can come into contact with lots of other people. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Before we go, in order to help you navigate the uncertainty of the global economy in the coronavirus era, the FT has a special offer for one of our best new resources, the Coronavirus Business Update Newsletter. Visit ft.com slash newsbriefingcovid to get free access for 30 days to the Coronavirus Business Update. It's a level-headed expert email briefing on how the pandemic is affecting global markets, business, and workplaces. Just go to ft.com slash newsbriefingcovid. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.